hot chocolate pot that's passed down from your own mother is not something that you can buy in a new country or even in a country that doesn't really have hot chocolate or she didn't even know. Welcome back to Immigrants Wake America. This is a podcast where storytellers share their family histories and the centrality of women in their life stories. I am Shruti Jain. And I am Lily. We are PhD students at SUNY Beamton University, and we're the hosts and producers of this podcast. Today, our guests are Priscilla Martel and Kaylee Sanabria. Priscilla is a flavor maven, chef, and food consultant living in Connecticut. She is also a successful cookbook author and a recipe developer. Kaylee was a Beamton University student and is now working in the corporate fashion industry in New York. Priscilla and Kaylee talk to us about how the different objects that get passed on across generations form intergenerational bonds among women. They share the role that their grandmothers and mothers play in their lives and also discuss the pitfalls of mythologizing the grandmother figure in immigrant history. So I chose um, to write about my grandmother, Mary, uh, Mary Sheridan or Maria Polarski. That was her born name. And she and her family emigrated from Poland during a time of strife. The Russians were occupying Poland and they were, the Poles were leaving. They were really forced to leave the country like refugees. So she was about 12 or 14, landed at Ellis Island with her sister and parents, met her uncle and family and went to the steel town of Donora, PA which still has a, a large Polish-American community. And uh, she ended up working in an inn. And in her life, food became really important to her as it is to me. Um, at some point, she met an Irish-American named Patrick Sheridan, and they moved to Connecticut where she lived, grew up, and gave birth to my mom. My mother was born and raised in Colombia, and she immigrated to the United States in 1992 when she was only 22 years old, which is crazy to think about because I'm actually 21 years old. So it's crazy to think that one year from now, my mom, almost at my age, moved to a country where she barely spoke English. And my grandma ended up moving to the United States as well after my mom shortly had me after she met my dad. So she was in New York, which is where I was born and raised. And that's where we still currently are today. And uh, my grandmother was there to help my mom um, when I was growing up. And my grandma was also a really big part of my life and growing up as a child. And to this day, my grandma still comes and visits from Colombia now and then. So as I mentioned, my grandmother was a really good cook, and that carried on into my life with my grandmother. Everyone lusted after her cream puffs and uh, the stories of her making pies and feeding the, the neighborhood when my mother was growing up are well known in the family. So I chose her war ration cards. I have her, hers and my mother's and my grandfather's. Um, as well as her uh, sugar thermometer that I still use. It's very old and beat up, but it still works and puts me in direct touch with her. Um, and I chose the ration cards because she was able to feed this family and really well. Nobody, no one ever talked about anything lacking in these delicious sweets. So I look at the card and I figure out how was it she able to take that small amount of sugar and do this, that, and that. Sadly, I didn't think ahead and ask her I thought I knew these answers, and this is my suggestion to anyone who thinks they know all they uh, want to about their family, but 
try to remember to ask those questions. Um, or, or as you get older, you perhaps have different insights into things. But I chose that because it really tells a story about how her determination um, and love of cooking for the family really made her push through. Um, that, that's what inspired me to uh, choose that about my grandma. Um, so the object that I chose was a hot chocolate pot. And this is some, an item of comfort to me and the item that reminds me of my immigration story and an item that ties me back to my family um, was definitely this hot chocolate pot, just firstly, because food is definitely the most important bond in my family. And it is actually one of the only things other than culture or traditions that were passed down in my family as well. So this hot chocolate pot was passed down from my grandmother to my mother, who ultimately is going to pass it down to me once I have my own family in the future. Um, and I have so many memories of both my mom and my grandma cooking it on a Sunday morning and me going to join them, even wanting to learn how to make it. Um, and it's something very unique and specific to Colombian culture, since our hot cocoa or our hot chocolate is actually made from a raw bark of chocolate that you have to grind and you have to boil it. Um, it's like a bark. Um, it's super hard to break with your hands. Like you need a grinder and you need to stir it consistently for around like 10 to 15 minutes. So there's a specific recipe to it. And my grandma actually um, added cinnamon and cloves and she added a special touch to the recipe, which was also very unique to my own specific family. Gosh, for me, um, I, I could not make a good pie. And I am a professional cook and baker. I've owned restaurants. I could not make a good pie until my grandmother uh, went to the great you know, uh, kitchen in the sky. So she made wonderful apple pie and they just seemed to come out of her fingers like, like nothing. You know, it was, it was no effort, but also this, these cream puffs. And this Christmas, and we're recording this near Christmas time, one of the guests at our table talked about my grandmother's cream puffs. And my grandmother hasn't sat at our table in over 25 years. So it was that strong an image of these little puff pastries with the creamy filling brought to the table in a dress box. And I, I like to think of um, that, that memory of my grandmother. Both my grandmothers were, were terrific cooks. My grandmother, gra gra grandma that we're speaking of, Mary Sheridan, worked in a private home of wealthy people. You know, she was the cook. She cooked that American food. She left home early. So she was making swan's down cake and date nut pudding and those things. My other grandmother was French and she grew up in a family of 13 and had a family of seven. And she cooked, she was an incredible cook, more of a cook cook and grandma was the baker. There's no question that they had an influence uh, indirectly or indirectly because it wasn't as if that was the career path that I saw. Um, but the love of eating and the, the art of the table and the long meals with the family around the table and all that, the family, uh, comedy that plays itself out at those gatherings when you had the aunts and the uncles with the, my father's side or my grandmother with, was with us. And it gave me the palate too. A hot chocolate pot that's passed down from your own mother is not something that you can buy in a new country or even in a country that doesn't really have hot chocolate or she didn't even know. Um, so I think the hot chocolate pot to her meant, um, almost reminded her of home and it also reminded her of my grandma, but I think it also reminded her of the bond that she had with her family every morning, every night when they sat down at the dinner table, similarly to what we were talking about, how food really does bring us together. 
And this hot chocolate pot to me really symbolizes, I think, like strength and courage from my mother that left home at age 22, which is crazy to me because I'm going to graduate college at 22. And by that time, my mom had already graduated college and moved to the U.S. So when I think of this pot, I really do. Other than food and culture and family, I see different meanings behind it, like determination and the fearlessness aspect that my mother had of just kind of picking up and leaving and not really knowing what the other side of the end was going to look like. Um, it's um, incredible. They had very little, you know, this is that early migration. It would be, uh, you know, 107 years ago that they came. So there are prayer books in Polish and a few pieces of jewelry that are clearly from afar. And I, I used to wear a, an embroidered blouse that was very old when I was a kid, I wore it. But this conversation, Kayla, you remind me of a very simple object that may or may not have come from Poland, but certainly from the whole of that family. And it's a piece of wood along about two inches, uh, maybe by say 20. And that was used to grate the cabbage to make the sauerkraut. It's such a modest thing. And it's, it's a good symbol of, of the humility and the struggle of feeding yourself from that, that tough vegetable. Uh, but I hadn't thought about it, Kaylee, until you were talking about this object. But, but there's no question um, that came from the Polish side of the family. And it's from so long ago, I never even got it to, got to see it in use. So I, I teach food writing at a community college in New Haven, and we often use family stories as a way to get people feeling comfortable writing because we have our family stories. You don't have to do that much research. And grandma, the beloved grandma, comes out. And what happens is the myth gets in the way of the reality. Now, not to say you're going to find that your grandmother is some um, unappealing person, but it blocks us from looking at the life that they led. And, you know, maybe not recognizing the struggles they had or how the different contexts of their life and the different expectations, uh, clearly for a woman of my grand, either of my grandmother's ages, uh, raising a family was the career goal. The grandma we're speaking of, she got to be a professional cook in a house, you know, and, and bring home money from serving other people, but based on her food. The other grandmother didn't have to work except to feed her family. And, you know, each one has interesting personalities. And with the distance of time, my, because of my age and my grandmother being gone for a while, um, I can see their roles, these two grandmothers, in the development of my family, as opposed to just that halo of the warm feeling of our grandmother. I mean, she's the one that brought the brownies. She's the one that slipped the $20 to my brother when he was a little boy or bought him his favorite toy, you know. Um, but we, if we can just peek behind that curtain a tiny bit um, and think of the humanity of these uh, women, it's the grandmother that's eulogized, uh, I think that we will find much more that's enriching. So I buried my mother this summer at 96. She died during COVID, but not of COVID. Um, and we buried her right next to my grandmother. So I am very much uh, close to the emotions of my family and their impact on me. Now, as I close up that chapter, you know, and clean up her affairs and think about 
being apart from them. And now I'm going to get teary. I hadn't planned on that. I, I have so much more interest in the rich texture of their lives and what they brought, you know, grandma from the old country, as they would say, how she passed that to my mother and the ways that my mother was able to take it and, and build a really interesting life. Like Priscilla was mentioning earlier, I kind of went from having this like perfect idea image of my grandmother. She would obviously spoil me, always cook for me, um, always play with me, which is something that I faced because I was an only child. So to me, my grandma was almost like um, like a built-in best friend. Um, but as I got older, I realized that my grandma is an extraordinary woman who, who had so many challenges and faced so many hardships when she was very young. I've viewed my grandma as stronger than I ever thought I could. Um, and that's something that she 100% passed down to my mother. Um, and I think that connection between me and my mom and my grandma has like really affected and um, changed the perception of like my own identity. And um, I definitely see a lot of uh, myself in them and same thing, vice versa. Now that I'm graduating college, I'm actually going to be working in uh, corporate fashion. And I think I developed that love for clothing and fashion and all of that because of her. And then my mom taught me like strength and determination and resilience and her um, fearless nature is something that I admire every single day. And I definitely see that in me. And when I went away to school, um, I was really determined, determined with what I wanted and the goals that I wanted to have. And I always knew that I wanted to work in corporate fashion. And it took my mom's strength and determination that I got from her to really make that dream a possibility, especially going, I go to SUNY Binghamton. So it's not a school that you think of fashion when, um, when you first think about it, but I really made that dream a reality from kind of incorporating the two things that I learned from like the two strongest idols and heroes and women in my life. I really think everyone should dive deep and really think about their own immigration story. Even if you don't think you have one, you definitely do. And yes. dive deep. It is something that it's, a little scary and can be intimidating if you don't know where to start. But I think you learn so much about yourself in the process and you learn to appreciate your family members so much more. And it answers a lot of questions about yourself as well. And, and, and I agree with you completely, Kaylee, and especially how objects for most people, and that is an easy, like a liftoff point to open up to a story. And I think that's the beauty of the Tenement Museum's concept whether it's a scarf or a candlestick or a chocolate pot um, or a photocopy of a recipe, whatever it is that can tell that can be the jumping off point that helps the individual tell their story. It's really, really magical. Everyone has an immigration story and that's the beauty of the United States. And that's the beauty of this country and the beauty of the melting pot is that all of us stem from somewhere. It's true. I also like what you said, Kaylee, um, we're all immigrants. Some people's families came, you know, in the early days of the settling of the country, but anything might inspire them as well to think about um, what their connection is to the, the land and the past. But a lot of what's cool about the idea of the Tenement Museum, which memorializes a lifestyle that was pretty harsh, is a lot of immigrant stories do have that as a connection. Somebody came here because they left for that better opportunity or an image of whatever the United States represents. 
So I think that's why it's a perfect home for these stories, um, despite your background. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Immigrants Wake America. For more conversations and explorations, please listen to our future episodes available on all major streaming platforms. We have linked our social media and website in the description box. We would be happy to hear your thoughts and feedback. See you next time. Until then, take care and stay safe.